and we kind of can kind of help walk folks through what does it mean if I decide to go down this path or the other path? Do I want to, you know, if I decide to merge, what does that mean? And if I decide to terminate, what does that mean? And kind of help them frame their thoughts around what would be better for them in their situation. Not from Rain Associates Studio. This is Unsuitable on the Road a management and financial services podcast for entrepreneurs, tenured business leaders, and others who are ready to look beyond the suit and tie culture for meaningful, measurable results. I'm Doug Hauser. On this weekly podcast, thought leaders and business professionals break down complicated and mundane topics and give you the tips and insight you actually need to grow as a leader and help your organization thrive. If you haven't already, hit the subscribe button so you don't miss future episodes. And if you want access to even more information, show notes, and exclusive content, visit our website at www.raycpa.com slash podcast and sign up for our weekly podcast newsletter. These days, employers that know that even though they might offer their employees the opportunity to save for retirement by participating in their company-sponsored retirement plan, most people aren't doing enough to get themselves over the finish line. As a result, government agencies continue to look closely at employee benefit plans to ensure that everything is being done to set more people up for success. Pam Dunlap, a principal in our Cleveland office, where we are today, and director of Ray's Retirement Plan Audit Services team, is here to talk about this challenge and what companies can do to pass the Department of Labor's increasingly stringent inspection. Welcome to Unsuitable, Pam. Thanks, Doug. This is great to be here. Good to have you here. And thanks for taking time out of your busy schedule. It's obviously a busy time of the year. So really appreciate that. It sure is. It's it's tax season. Yes, indeed. So talk a little bit about retirement planning for us. We we see we do so many uh, retirement plan audits and and help clients uh, set up those retirement plans. What are some of the, the trends that you're seeing? What are some of the the shortcomings that we can help folks think about and address. So yeah, I um, I, I really love talking about ERISA. Crazy enough, um, <laughs> yeah, I love talking about it, and because and I love working in the space because it's it's a space where we get to serve our clients and those employers and plan sponsors, but we also, in a way, are serving all the participants as well. When we do an audit, our audit opinion has a, a, is addressed to both the plan administrators and those plan participants. So in my line of work, I kind of feel like it's fun to serve great clients, successful clients, but it's kind of like paying it forward too, because we're paying, we're looking under the hood at what these plans are, how these plans are being operated for each of those participants that are in them as well. Okay. So it's kind of like paying it forward. It's fun that way. So you're in, in, in that sense, you're looking out, you're an advocate for the employees as well, in essence, right? Correct. Exactly. So, and that's, you know, you kind of brought it up a little bit about how the environment's evolving now where back in the day, the 401k um, section of the code was meant to be a supplement to Mm. pension benefits that were being offered. And I don't really think the intent was for the 401k retirement plan to become the mainstream way of folks saving for their retirement. Great point. And so now that that's happening... Employers are realizing, oh, this is my employee's way of saving for, 
you know, that that wonderful day when they ride off into the sunset and retire and the DOL is is realizing that too and the IRS as well. And they're yeah. saying, gosh, there's 131 million people that are participating in whether it's a pension or a health and welfare or a 401k plan. And there's $8 trillion of assets out there wow. that we, us public, you know, public accounting firm auditors, um, that we're auditing. Yeah. So eight trillion is a big number. It's gotten everyone's attention, and the DOL and the IRS are going to continue to pay attention to what folks are doing yeah. in that space and how well they're managing it, and how well they're utilizing outside providers to help them manage it. Okay, that's that's a fantastic point. So, as you said, the original intention maybe wasn't what it was or what it has evolved to today. So we've had, we have to adapt to that. And I think I I saw a statistic, something about the average American has less than, you know, ten thousand dollars in their 401k. Is that is that kind of accurate or what what do you see? I that particular statistic, I am not I'm not well versed in what yeah. whether that's accurate or not. Um I know that we in our space when we're auditing plans, typically see folks have more than that but we are auditing larger plans that are in play gotcha. because we're working with clients. You don't trip an audit requirement until you have at least a hundred eligible participants in a plan. Mm-hmm. So we're dealing with, you know, larger employers with larger numbers of employees. And as a result, folks have a little bit more in there because they've been at the companies for a while. But regardless, how do one of the things I'm sure that we try to help employers with is to increase that participation, right? So how do we, what is some of that messaging? What are, what are some of the things that we, we do to help uh, the employers? Because they want to help their employees, right? It makes the employees happy. They can retain them longer, you know, better benefits, all those types of things. Right. Um, well, that's definitely one of the things that we bring to light. One of the value adds, I feel, that comes about from a quality audit or a quality advisor are helping employers understand what some of those hot buttons are that the Mm DOL is looking at. And not only that, but helping them with best practices for what they should be doing in their plans. And one of the best practices that we're seeing right now is an auto auto enrollment feature where employers are really jumping on board with requiring folks to be a part of a plan immediately upon meeting the eligibility requirement. Okay. So um, once they've met that requirement, the employee is automatically put in the plan, usually at around a 3% deferral rate. Um, And then sometimes they're subject to an automatic deferral rate increase each year. Yeah. And that kind of gets folks into the mindset of this is a good thing to be saving and um, also helps some of their compliance testing requirements as well to have more folks involved. Okay. So that's definitely one of the things that we're seeing catching on more and more right now is this auto enrollment feature that employers are implementing in their plans. That's great. I think that's a great idea because then as employees hopefully get you know, wage increases and things like that. And and the step up with the percentage goes along at the same time. It's sort of like hand in hand. They don't necessarily maybe feel it as much, but yet they're really increasing what they're saving for retirement. You are exactly on point. And, yeah. and, and that's why it works so well is because as you get that, you know, payroll increase, it doesn't affect your take home as much then when the increase in the rate that you're deferring aligns right with your increase in pay. They yeah. recommend that folks increase their um, deferral percentages when they get a rate increase. It's a really great um, 
a great tool, yeah. Exactly, yeah. So talk to me a little bit about some of the compliance. I know um, I've had uh, some of our folks uh, help set up safe harbor plans for some of our clients. Can you speak to that a little bit in terms of what that might do for a, a client potentially? Sure. Um, I, I guess where I would go with the safe harbor plan and just this concept of having an employer match that's occurring in a plan, that's, okay. that's becoming... Um, a, a differentiator for the generate the new generation that's in that's in our economy. Like yeah. folks are looking to see that employers are offering a match when they defer into their plan. So you know, back in two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine, people pulled those back yeah. and said we need you know cost cutting measures in place. So the safe harbor, along with any employer discretionary match, you know, allows the opportunity for an employee to have you know, their deferrals matched by an employer contribution. And I really think our employers need to think about what are they offering in that regard? Because this new generation, you know, they, they value things differently than, than others in the past. And that matching attribute, that safe Harbor match or another type of discretionary match that our employer has has become increasingly important for, for employers to offer. Absolutely. It's, it's funny you mentioned that on our, our, podcast last week with uh, Cindy uh, Kula and, and Aaron Klein. We talked about generational differences and just thinking a little bit differently and, and having that different balance and what they want from an employer. So that's that's very apt that you bring that up. So shameless plug, check out last week's podcast too. <laughs> <laughs> um, but anyway, getting back to the compliance, do you see the Department of Labor focusing on some different things uh, over the last couple of years? What what are some trends that that we've we've seen there or likely to see going forward in, in your opinion? Yeah, we see lots of different trends that evolve, um, but most importantly, their number one item that they focus on is whether or not an employer is getting their employee deferrals into the plan on time. Okay. It's number one. There's been a lot of chatter out there about them looking into it. They calculate the number of days it takes the an employer to get money from the employee's paycheck into the trust itself. Okay. And that should be if an employer isn't monitoring that, they definitely should be. Um, it's the number one thing they look at when they come in to do an audit. And, you know, nine times out of 10, if you don't have, you know, someone kind of watching that process, they can get into a, a situation where they could have fines and penalties associated with it. And I think that's, you know, one point that I wanted to make is it's very important that I think that in the past there was a mindset that employers could hire outside, you know, third parties mm-hmm. to kind of manage their plan. Right. And kind of just like this coronavirus situation where, you know, we thought before like this was some idle chatter, some right. idle noise out there. Like it's definitely the landscape's changed. Yeah. It, it, you have to, you have to be managing or watching and monitoring that your payroll provider, even though it automatically sends the money to the, custodian, yeah. you have to make sure that that's happening at the right amount and okay. in a timely way. And, you know, I think in the past, some folks have said, oh, I've got some other people that are handling that for me and I don't really need to worry about it. Like that has evolved to their number one um, finding on an audit. So Interesting. Yeah. So if there's one takeaway from this podcast for our plan sponsors that are listening yeah. out there, it's 
take the time to make sure you're looking and monitoring what's happening in your plan in that regard. So when you talk about that maybe not happening, or is is in your situation or in your experience, the biggest problems, are they with payroll providers that aren't doing that or who... Where's the where's the gap there in in your opinion, or do you see all kinds of different things? There's a lot of reasons. Yeah, a manual check causes a reason. Mm. A lot of times, a change in a deferral rate that's not processed right okay. can cause a problem. So there's a litany of reasons as to why something might not occur right. Sure, it could be a f- a file didn't get sent over with the right encryption or, or, you know, it could be so many different reasons, which is why if you don't have someone checking, we've had situations where someone thought it got sent over and it got processed. And if you don't have those quality third party folks helping you in the process, um, if they aren't notifying you, it really does fall on the plan sponsor to be responsible for that. And the DOL and the IRS will tell you that. Yeah, A lot of folks will say, oh, no, I, I know I had that organized and it was integrated and, you know, I outsourced that to, to, to folks to manage that for me. But I can tell you when they come in to audit you, they are going to hold you responsible for making sure the monies get in there. So as the plan sponsor, the, the company, the employer, right, do they, what, what type of best practices should they have in place to, to make sure they're taking care of these things? You know, obviously they have a, a great responsibility to do this uh, on behalf of their employees. What are some best practices there? Yeah, and well, we work with our successful clients to kind of set up some processes so that they are performing the right control activities to okay. make sure that's happening. Definitely at a minimum, you know, folks should be looking at their statements they're getting from their custodian and then, you know, looking at the monies that are reported in those statements and looking at whether or not they look reasonable. But, you know, it even needs to be drilled down a layer below that and making sure that the folks that are remitting, remitting the monies are watching what's transpiring. So, you know, that's one of the things that folks should be looking for their, their, audit advisors to help them with is to say, how can I set this up so that I can make sure I'm watching it and not getting into harm's way? And that's one nice thing we we try to do is kind of give our clients a solution to try to manage that. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that's hugely important because it's potentially a huge risk for them, right? If they're not doing things properly. So do you see any any type of increase in frequency of Department of Labor audits or, or anything like that? Is it you mentioned obviously a trend in terms of what they're looking at? How about frequency at all? Has that changed much in your, so, your experience? Yes, in the last four years, they've definitely increased the number that they're looking at. They've not only they've not only changed um, the number that they're looking at at the employer at the employer, so at the plan sponsor yeah. level, but they're also looking at the quality of the audits that folks are having done. Really? So so back in 2015, they did a review of the audits and found that there were a number that were deficient. Interesting. And okay. when they found that, you know, some of these sole proprietors that maybe did uh, a great job with taxes right. and did a great job on maybe their corporate work, um, when they started venturing into a plan audit space where they weren't well first in ERISA and they were still mm-hmm. ish, trying to issue these audit reports, they found that they were not um, qualified audits. They weren't complete audits. Gotcha. So there was a whole 
whole conversation that started around you need to make sure plan sponsor that when you're hiring your auditor that they are a competent auditor make sure they have a pedigree in you know understanding of ERISA and make sure that they have an experience of working in more than one plan yeah not just this one client that's a one off right. and they found that you know most of the ones that weren't qualified were folks that were doing like five or less audits uh, so i'm not saying that everyone out there doing five sure. or less audits isn't doing a good audit definitely they found a consistency in folks that were doing low numbers that they weren't doing an adequate job so it's they're they're now that they found that and that they found you know that some of these operations of plans weren't you know the operations and the monitoring that plan sponsors were doing wasn't adequate yeah. that, you know, they've, they've definitely started looking more and said, they're not going to stop, you know, they're not going to stop their quest to make sure that these 130, excuse me, this 131 million participants sure. that are in these aren't being harmed in some respects. So. Well, and again, from a, a political perspective too, I mean, that, that it's, you're, you're advocating and looking out for employees and that no matter which party or, or, how you fall politically, that's always going to be uh, something that's emphasized and pushed. So it's likely certainly not to decrease at all. But right. I think that, that's a great point you make about qualifications and expertise, because uh, I'm certainly not not a uh, capable of doing a pension audit and, you know, used to looking at contractors. And we see that uh, often where you've got somebody that maybe is good at one thing, you know, just because they're a CPA doesn't mean they're qualified. So talk about some of the the um, continuing ed and the training and the things that you and your team go through to to um, keep up to date on, on this stuff. One of the groups that a lot of firms belong to, including ours, is the AICPA's Employee Benefit Plan Audit Quality Center. Okay. And so I would highly recommend, you know, plan sponsors make sure that folks are members of that quality center because that quality center helps put out tons of information about how to do quality audits. They put out tons of tons of information about how plan sponsors can monitor their operations of their plans and key things that that folks should look at in okay. terms of in terms of compliance and new rules and regs that are coming out, they're at the okay. forefront of describing what those are. And they really do keep an audit firm very informed of what all of those nuances are in sure. the space. And not only that, but provide, um, they provide periodicals that you can pass along to clients okay. to say, okay, here's how you can understand how to do this or that, or here's some best practice information. So, to just be a part of that is of a big help to any firm that would be in this space doing audits, being a member sure. of that. Um, obviously, there's it, with anything anymore, we're, we're all becoming specialists in our right. field. So there's a, a lot of great training out there that we make sure we attend, as well as we pass that down among all levels of individuals working in this space in our in our firm in particular. It's important yeah. to have some type of robust internal training program because you can send one or two people away for a conference, but if it's not shared, you know, you're, you're missing out on that value. Right. So it's well, important I, to do that. Personally, I think that's where you do a great job of having taken that leadership of that segment and communicating with, with the team and making sure that they are up to date. It's all transparent. This is what we should all be doing. You know, it's not 
uh, different across the firm. It's, hey, these are best practices. This is how we need to do things. So I applaud you for that. Last topic, talk a little bit. We see so much M&A activity going on. Companies, you know, that are acquiring or, you know, as the boomer generation ages, transitioning out. And so businesses are are being moved or, or combined in some fashion. So what type of risks do you see with plans that that all of a sudden are, are a part of that transaction? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, we see folks trying to work through the thought process of, okay, I'm acquiring a company and it they do have a retirement plan and what do I want to do with that plan as I kind of merge in that yeah. company into into my um, entity. And so there's a number of different considerations about what you do there. Are you going to merge that existing plan into your plan? Um, Are you going to terminate that other plan? And what are you going to do and how are you going to do that? And what does it mean to folks? And, you know, in terms of working through that thought process and that due diligence and understanding what types of benefits are offered from the acquired entity side of things, you have to make sure in that process that you're considering, am I harming people? Are they Mm. less of benefit as I move them into this new um, company? And we we can kind of help walk folks through, what does it mean if I decide to go down this path or the other path? Do I want, you know, if I decide to merge, what does that mean? And if I decide to terminate, what does that mean? And kind of help them frame their thoughts around what would be better for them in their situation. Because those risks can be unidentified, I can imagine. You know, if you don't really think about that, or is it sort of an afterthought, like, oh, our operation, these two companies would would fit well together, but that can affect the the purchase price or any of those things, right? Right. And, and, you know, when you're going through M&A, you're always trying to make sure you're managing your risk. And as you think through the process, like in one of those respects, you can bring over any skeleton in the closet that was there. So you want to work through if you're okay in that mindset of bringing that over, if you want to kind of shut that door and kind of press a restart button as folks are folded in or, you know, blend it into your new company. As you said, just make sure you're talking to uh, the expert advisor uh, like yourself and understand the risks and know what's in front of you and make the best decision for your, your company. So... That's great insight. I, I really appreciate it, Pam. I've learned a lot today. Felt like I knew nothing about uh, this topic <laughs> coming in. And and now I know enough to be dangerous and, and certainly to to call you if uh, if there are any questions. So really appreciate that. I think that's uh, great in, in terms of the position you take and being an advocate for not just our client themselves, but the employees too. That's, that's just a, a great outlook. So really appreciate it. Thanks, Doug. This was fun. If you want more business tips and insight or to hear previous episodes of Unsuitable, visit our podcast page at www.racecpa.com slash podcast. And while you're there, sign up for our weekly podcast newsletter for exclusive content and show notes. Thanks for listening to this week's show. Be sure to subscribe to Unsuitable on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to us right now, including YouTube. I'm Doug Hauser. Join us next week for another Unsuitable interview from an industry professional. The views expressed on Unsuitable on Ray Radio are our own and do not necessarily reflect the views of Ray and Associates. The podcast is for informational and educational purposes only and is not intended to replace the professional advice you would receive elsewhere. 
Consult with a trusted advisor about your unique situation so they can expertly guide you to the best solution for your specific circumstance. 